Welcome to Doorknob Comments. I'm Dr. Farah White. And I'm Dr. Grant Brenner. Thank you for joining us on Doorknob Comments, a podcast that we created to discuss all things involving mental health. We take the view that psychiatry is not just about the absence of illness, but rather the positive qualities, presence of health, and strong relationships, and all the wonderful things that make life worth living. The show is named for a phenomenon that sometimes happens at the end of a therapy session, when the patient may mention something important or something they're conflicted about right as they're walking out the door. Sometimes they may have been quietly thinking about it the whole session without saying anything at all. Equal parts frustrating and intriguing. It leaves the therapist holding the emotional bag. We're here today with Lisa Levy, self-proclaimed psychotherapist since 2001. You can hear Dr. Levy uh, every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. on her radio show, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. It's called Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And Dr. Lisa is a performing artist and a visual artist and a great talent, and we're very happy to have her here today. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you, Grant and Farah. Nice to be here. I'm really honored that I'm here with actual real shrinks that you invited me on, so thank you for that. We're really happy to have you here. have a lot of questions for you. You've been in practice, I guess, or have been doing this for... Well, since 2001, when I decided I was a therapist. And so what was, you know, the inspiration to start the... Well, it's really funny because I had never performed before and I have no credentials as a therapist, but I really have been in therapy since I was uh, 18 when I went to college on and off. And um, I was kind of like really – I'd been to so many different kinds of therapists and psychiatrists and I'd been in a study on depression. I'd been an inpatient in Mount Sinai wow. on a okay. real – so I had enough experience with therapists and I wound up getting like really cynical about them. There's a lot of good ones but not all. And um, I just thought, you know, I feel like I'm pretty – I feel like I have a, a desire or skill. Um, at reading people's emotions and figuring them out. So I just thought it'd be really funny to do it on stage, to like have audience volunteers, have, you know, the shrink couch, the whole scene, the whole Mm -hmm. setup and uh, see what happens. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I did it a couple of times. I got a tape. I got in a festival. Then I got a monthly show at here Art Center where the festival was. And then uh, within a year, I'd had a... Um, a feature story in the New York Times. And so um, I was working as an art director at the time. So um, it was busy, but it kind of, you know, and then it moved to a bigger venue. It was surprisingly successful, I'll say that. So that's how it started. Yeah, I've been to a couple of your events and you, you've had me as a guest at a couple, but I've seen how the audience responds and how you can you can pull things out in front of people. As a therapist, I'm fascinated by this because I think a lot of therapists have an idea that they'd like to do what we do in front of other people. Because if you're amazing, if you do, if you have an amazing session, you know, who are you going to tell about it, right? Maybe in some supervision group, but like no one actually gets to see it. And, you know, you're not supposed to record them. 
you know, right. unless it's for training purposes. But you get to do it for almost entertainment. But I also get the sense that you're trying to do some good for people as well. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because that's one of the things people say. Is it serious or it's funny? Is it funny? And I think that's been like um, an obstacle as far as marketing it. But I, uh, you know, it it is really both. And you never really know. Sometimes it's really serious. Sometimes it's really funny. But um it, I I feel like that I I mean I hear what you're saying uh, because I feel like I take just the fun part and I do that and I have nothing at stake because since I make it very clear I'm a self-proclaimed psychotherapist and I'm just doing this on the fly that I have no real responsibility and because I include the audience and they're I say call out like you're at a sporting event it's not all up to me and I think there is something potentially cathartic about the quote-unquote patient being in front of an audience. So I like that part. Have you ever had experiences where the patients have come back and told you that they had, you know, I guess my question is how different is it in terms of results than real therapy? Well, I mean, a lot of therapy, you have a real therapist has to deal with defenses and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Like I just have people coming up and saying, this is my problem right away. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little easier in that way in that I don't have to pull it out of them or coach them that Mm -hmm. way. Um, I have had, um, you're asking like, what is, the thing that sticks in my mind the most, actually, this one incident where I had this guy come on and he was here from, I don't know, he's visiting from London or something. And um, I'm able to get to things really quickly. And people often say that I've gotten more done in like, you know, 13 minutes than in like, you know, 10 years with this shrink. But this guy wrote me an email saying that when he got back to his his wife that um, it, I really had like renewed their marriage. I mean, it was just okay. shocking. And he did. I mean, I'm just going to brag. He's used the word genius in the thing. So um, that really. Well, what did you do? Um, it was really funny. It was um, I had him on the couch lying down and he was just talking about his wife and he, that the marriage wasn't going well and stuff like that and the problems and I said that um, that I thought they were dealing with the I need you less theory the, the syndrome okay what is that and that is like where people are okay I'm not going to let you know that I care about you. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm mm-hmm. going to act like you don't need, I don't Got need it. you. Okay. And I think that's really, really common. You know, I, I'm a big fan of it myself. <laughs> so uh, I kind of helped point that out. And um, it got, I guess it made sense to him. But I also think that he really, I mean, he gave me the credit, which I love. But I also think that at the same time, he was probably, you know, on vacation and got a fresh look at his marriage. Mm-hmm. So it made sense in that way, too. Yeah. Could have been a combination. Combo. Yeah. But I helped. I helped. <laughs> it sounds like he might have a tendency to idealize people and, um, and possibly some exhibitionistic tendencies. Do you just tell everyone that they're exhibitionists when they volunteer? I'm kidding. No, but, you know, it is really funny because I know from experience that the hardest part is getting the first person up okay. to volunteer. And then after that, like, people start relaxing and seeing what it's like. And then by the end, people are often like fighting to get on stage. I have three sessions and like, so um, it's, it is really funny. People are tentative at first and then after a while they want to give it a shot. 
Well, it's, it's interesting. It, it reminds me of, at first I was reminded of Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he'll, he'll help people like, you know, quickly with marital issues. I remember seeing a guy and he just cuts through the BS. Though, of course, he has this kind of aggressive, almost hostile kind of mm-hmm. est, Werner mm-hmm. Earhart-y kind of thing. Right. Um, and then, and then I thought of like gurus who were faith healers, right? Like mm-hmm. where, like you're healing people. And, and I wonder if you have any thoughts about what's happening on an emotional level with people. Uh, you know, what is it that works? Well, I think I th- I agree, especially like with Tony Robbins. But I think those guys play the role of like heroes and authorities. And I'm very like, vul- I think I'm vulnerable. I think that I'm I'm saying, look, I don't really know. You know, I'm just a, you know, self proclaimed psychotherapist. I show that I have forged credentials. I have a forged, um, you know, um, a diploma and everything. And and um, I think that I come to them saying, like, I think I can help you, but. But I'm not I'm not right about everything. And I think that that is a I'm very I try to be humble. I am humble. I think I'm very humble. <laughs> I hate myself there. <laughs> I'm dealing so with self-hatred. Self-hatred is self-hatred like is the rest of us. It's as grandiose as you can get. <laughs> it is as grandiose. But, um, I, you know, so I think there is some of that. Uh, like I come at them with uh Humility as opposed to authority. Here's my complaints about shrinks. Yeah, we want to def- hear that. Yeah. yeah. So when I was in the um, depre- program on depression, I really had a problem with depression. My father I inherited it. I, I'm on medication now. Everything's great. Well, okay, good. It's good. So um, what happened was um, after, you know, they had like a conti- – because you're on the medication and they give you a free psychiatrist, Right. And I couldn't have afforded it on my own. And so I went to the psychiatrist every month or every week and I got the medication. And then the psychiatrist decided she was going to start start on her own, move away from the hospital and start her own practice. And she she kind of like talked me in or like, you know, just kind of so we'll be meeting here. Mm-hmm. And then after that. I found out she wanted to charge me $150 a session instead of like the 40 I was paying. And I was outraged that she never told me that. Did, does that make sense? You guys are shrinks. Don't you think it's fucked up? Sorry, am I allowed to say that? What do you say about that? What do you guys have to tell? What are you going to say? How are you going to defend your, your, your business? Well, I, th- I think. I think we're meant to be transparent about arrangements like that and, and discuss them ahead of time and give people choices and consent. And I know that that doesn't always happen. I, I know I try to do that in my own practice. But I also think that you're bringing up this really interesting question about self-disclosure on the part of the therapist. I think anytime you see someone and you're looking for treatment for something, they should say, I, I believe I have expertise to treat this, or they should say, it's not my area of expertise. I mean, there is a power dynamic, and, and that's one of the that's one of the ethical responsibilities on the part of, of any any professional caregiver is is to keep that in mind. To as a therapist, we're supposed to be aware of our countertransference. Right. If I know I have an issue with a certain person or a mm-hmm. cer- certain thing they're doing, you know, you have to include that in the therapy. You know, there are times where you know, Farah, you're saying self disclosure is important, mm-hmm. but it also reminds me of something that you were saying earlier about your your show. Like you have no responsibility, and you make it clear there's a kind of um, um a way where. You know, everyone's talking about like the imposter syndrome nowadays. I don't know if that moment mm-hmm. has, has passed. But the idea of kind of coming out and saying like, I don't really know. 
Um, I'm happy to try to work with you through that. Um, mm-hmm. But coming from my perspective personally, um, maybe it'll be helpful because I can offer some insight from an outsider's mm-hmm. perspective and maybe some things are universal. Mm-hmm. I get the way that I don't know about you guys, but the way I work is I check in with my patients a lot and I try and sense if what I'm saying rings true. And so it's it's sort of like I may like let them know or if there's some projection I think I'm making, I'll certainly tell them. But it's also like I can sense, and I think you guys must know this, that like when you are making sense to somebody, they're like, oh, uh-huh. I mean, don't you guys – you guys get that, don't you? No? Sometimes I do. Um, a lot of times it takes more than one, you know, go round mm-hmm. um, for me to maybe point something out. I'm probably not as aggressive Maybe as I could be or should or be. as I am, for <laughs> right, sure. Because I want people to come to it sort of on their own. And, um, but well, people are also experts at deception, you know, mm. self-deception, deceiving other people. And I don't mean in a nefarious way, but what, what we, we, we're mammals, you know, and we wear plumage. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we use behaviors. We dress a certain way. We act a certain way. For example, if I'm, if I'm wearing my weekday clothing and I'm wearing a suit and tie, people treat me completely differently. Uh-huh. If, I'm, if I'm in my, like, at-home weekend, like, hoodie and jeans, you know, like, people don't even pay attention to me at all. And, and I think for, for therapists – there's an ideal, which is that we're going to be almost like um, a perfect mother who kind of reads the baby's minds and is mm-hmm. r- responsive. Um, the idea nowadays is that you, you kind of have to be good enough from an attachment perspective. Like you don't you don't have to get it 100 percent of time, but but you do have to check in and get it enough of mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. which is something like on average for 70 percent, someone who's not too insecure. And and so, you know. Therapists can miss stuff that's in our blind spots, mm-hmm. but you know if it comes up, then we ought to be able to handle it with poise and therapy mm-hmm. in a therapeutic way. And patients can kind of keep things to themselves, and mm-hmm. sometimes there's nothing the therapist can do about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we can feel blindsided, mm-hmm. which is not always comfortable. Yeah, well, you know, it reminds me what you're saying makes so much sense because you guys are really like trying to solve. You guys have the the skills set and the training to really solve you know, long, uh, you know, lifelong issues. Whereas for me, I'm happy if if a light bulb goes on and I got a thought starter in there. If I get somebody to think about something new in a new way, perspective wise, I feel like my 13 minute session is a success or my hour podcast radio show is a success. I'm not really, you know, sometimes there is behavior that changes. People will change Mm -hmm. their behavior and I'll hear about it later or I write them, I have a prescription pad, so I'll write them actionable advice. And I often hear back, I hung that up on my refrigerator and I think about that and stuff like that. So I do like, I mean, I get so much out of that and I never, ever, ever charge for session. So um, I do, you know, I do find it rewarding, but my expectations are so much smaller. Right. There's a long-term relationship oftentimes in therapy and you see things evolve over time. And as therapists, I think, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, Farah, but every once in a while, you know, someone will come in, a patient will come in and say, you know, my yoga teacher said this to me. Like, how come you didn't say that? You know? And <laughs> oh, like, yeah. And then it's like, well, let's see. How defensive should I get now? And <laughs> it's like, we did kind of talk about that. Actually, we did directly talk about it. That, or, or maybe it's like, you know, that's a good point. I didn't right. – we, we haven't talked about it. How long have you been thinking about that? Um, yeah. 
Or sometimes things will get like slapped down that, you know, and I'll say, okay, I guess I was really off base. And then a month or two or a year later, um, it will come back up again in a different way. Right. Um, so because so, you're dealing with people's defenses exactly. and you could be right. You might know, you might feel like you're the person's um, resistance, but you don't, you don't, you don't really, you don't really yeah. know. And it right? might just not be the right time to hear that. Well, how do you, how do you handle defenses and stuff like that? For some reason, and that reminds me of one of the things we were talking about preparing for this interview. Um, Lisa, you were talking about like creating art as well. Mm-hmm. And there's something about sort of the art of therapy, but also the art of um, art uh-huh. <laughs> and, and how our defenses can get in the way of being as creative as we want. I don't know that that comes to mind as well. Um, though we, we could we could keep therapy bashing, you know, if you want. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, like the whole thing about making art is, you know, it's funny because as the therapist, I do like I've always had personal issues about authority, and I still have them. Like working with curators or gallerists, mm-hmm. I, I get really nervous more than I need to. But I do feel like sort of in control as the shrink, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit. But I was going to say also, what must be frustrating. This this is where I get pleasure, which must be frustrating for you, is just I call out mm-hmm. what I think. So if I think somebody's in denial about it, like I won't do it in a mean way and I may, may kind of not be as direct as I could as I'm thinking, but I can I can say this stuff because I I'm I don't have the the you know I I have no, I've never, I don't have the responsibility that you guys have. You really have to massage uh, defenses, right? Well, I'm not sure um, about the word massage there, but <laughs> I, I prefer to be direct and I'm, I'm sort of relatively, I'm sort of evasively direct by nature. And when I, when I want to be more direct with, with someone with, with you know, I will, want to get their consent to do that and I'll usually I'll usually say something like I have I have some thoughts about it but it might might be triggering for you or I don't usually use really? the trigger a lot but you know how do you feel about me sharing it and how do you feel you know how do you feel about me asking you for permission to share it you don't want to get too um too self-referential but you know there's a way where you can be tactful and cautious and make room for being direct you know rather than yeah expecting the therapist to have um is some some sort of like special ability to read people, which well that'll come up too. You know, not always yeah. being direct mm-hmm. as well. No, that's that's a really that sounds like a great way to handle it. I have not seen that in use. That's great, Grant. Good for you. You're getting some. You're getting well, some so. See, that's another thing that bothers me. There's no Yelp. The whole diet. The whole like the whole way that therapy is. You know, the whole culture of it bothers me. There's no Yelp for therapists. Therapists are not supposed to advertise, but they need the patients, right? I mean, they need, they need all, every therapist I've ever really spoken to. You guys need clients, but you're not really supposed to advertise. And then, and, and on top of that, there's no like Yelp for it. And there's no, like it's, and it's also really expensive to like find a good therapist. So say I wanted to try three different therapists. If I was going to have a big operation that was going to take up years of my life, I would go to three opinions. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, I'd have to spend, you know, hundreds of dollars. And that's right. part of what bothers me too. Why don't you do free consultations? First consultation should be free. What about that, you guys? 
I think that, I mean, though I don't usually invite people into my office and tell them that they don't have to pay, I'll talk to anyone on the phone who wants to talk um, and get a sense of exactly what they're looking for. And if I don't feel that it's a good fit, then I will kind of refer them to someone who might have more expertise in that area or might be in the right neighborhood or might have, you know, a different fee that works better for them. So I, and I, I think most people do that. Um, though I'm not. I don't know about that, but that sounds great. So, you know, that's good. You guys are good. You guys have real, you know, ethics and responsibility behind this. I wish all your shrinks, I wish all your colleagues did. I'm not sure everything is so black and white. (laughs) Well, what, but what about like how therapy is regulated? Like if I want to get a a heart transplant, I can look up how many heart transplants, successful Mm -hmm. heart transplants done at this hospital by this doctor. So how, how am I supposed to know? if you guys are any good or not. Yeah, I'm kind of on your side here. I I think it should be in some ways more regulated, um, but it's kind of the wild, wild west. And not only that, but within the field, there's all this kind of arbitrary uh, infighting. Like, you know, and there's some research and then people are like, this is the best evidence-based therapy. And then other people are like, yeah, but our therapy has evidence too. But what I've seen amongst therapists is that kind of, my feeling is that people don't really want to clarify what's happening in that way. You mean and, the therapists don't? Well, as a profession, yeah. I have a sense that people don't really want to kind of pin it down. They don't really want to track outcomes and stats. And I don't think it's nefarious, though. You, you could say there's right. some economic motives as well or some guild-based motives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's when people practice therapy, they're not necessarily coming from as clinical an orientation and there's something about it which is presented as like a literary inquiry. Mm-hmm. There's like a famous quote from Eric Fromm who said, I can't – I'm paraphrasing. I can't guarantee that this will help you, but I can guarantee it will be an interesting conversation. So mm-hmm. it's a different orientation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I think it depends what people are coming into therapy for. If they um, want to enact some sort of change in their life – you know, there are certain things that are possible. Like how motivated they are? Yeah, how motivated, but also is this just like a journey of self-discovery or is what they really need, you know, to figure out what they want to do and get a job? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll or treat, kind of, treat clinical depression. Right, right, or treat clinical depression mm-hmm. or work out relationship issues. Um, so it's kind of like what can we do and, and what can we not do? And so a lot of times I'll say like, oh, it sounds like you're kind of looking for a life coach or, you know, because oh. this is not, I'm not going to tell someone what to do. I'm not going to give them assignments. I'm not going to be like, send me three cover letters to proofread. It's just, you know. Right. I, I, I think that goes back to my thought about consent. It's like, that. that's fine if, if you're not purporting to treat clinical depression. If you're going to have like an uh, elucidating conversation with someone over mm-hmm. years so they have a deeper sense of who they are in the world, then that's the procedure you should consent them for. Not like I need help with depression. Okay, let's talk for 10 years, mm-hmm. which is what which is what you're sort of critiquing. So how do you figure that out just from what they're saying in the beginning or like eh, kind of what is bringing them in, but also where it starts to go? Because mm-hmm. if you think about it like, oh, well, you're on this path and you're just picking up a stone and turning it over, seeing what's there. And then after a little while, the patterns sort of start 
start to emerge. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're problematic for the patient and sometimes they're not. Mm -hmm. Um, So just because... And that's another issue, right? To not put my own values um, onto mm-hmm. someone else. Like right. I might think it right. would be great for them to go back to school. Right. But they, if that's, that's not, not what, they, what want. they want, then, you know, I have to sort of act mm-hmm. in their best mm-hmm. interest and also be aware of like, why do I want this person to go back to school? You, you, know, you no. want to go back to school. Right, right. Yeah, counter trends. Yeah, I always point that out. Is this me or is this my counter right. trend? Or I have some counter transference. Yeah, I'm always calling that out. Yeah, but that's really like your obligation as yeah. a therapist to keep oh. it in check yeah. and to have supervisors so you don't get totally derailed. And like, mm-hmm. Well, not yeah. everyone is trained to do that. And also, as psychiatrists, we're trained to think diagnostically. So yeah, you guys are giving out drugs. That's like well, I'm giving out coffee or candy. Well, I mean, aside from being able to give out drugs or prescribe medications, <laughs> as we sometimes call it, <laughs> we're actually in New York State. You're not allowed to give out drugs. Uh, you have to go to a pharmacy. Uh, there are some states where physicians can dispense. Yeah, but pharmacists are the right? new bartenders. Uh-huh. That's one of my right? paintings, right? And yeah, and cannabis. Uh, pharmacy yeah. in New York too but what, what I was going to say is oh can you guys get prescriptions for that I'm not cer- I'm not certified <laughs> oh, never mind sorry I'm not certified to do that um, but but doctors can get trained it's about a two hour online training for oh. the state um, but we're trained diagnostically I'll pay for that for you Grant no problem <laughs> Um, uh-huh, sorry, I didn't speechless. mean to derail, derail yeah. you, which I did, but well, I didn't mean to. Well, I was just going to say we're trained as physicians first, so we're trained to think diagnostically. So usually if you go to see a therapist who's a, who's a physician, um, more often than not, we'll do an evaluation period first, even if it's not as explicit. So we're thinking diagnostically, ah. whereas if, if you talk to someone who's trained in talk therapy, they ah. may or may not conduct a diagnostic interview depending on how they were trained and how they choose to practice. Right. But we tend to be, you know, it's a double-edged sword, medicalized. Mm-hmm. So here's so some... So we can give out drugs. Here's another thing right drugs. that, that them, really right. bothers me about you people. Okay. <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. This is the day of reckoning. Okay. We're, we're on trial. Oh, I feel so good. We I'm stand... getting all my... You guys, are, I should be paying you. <laughs> Doc, Dr. White are here to be hung in effigy. <laughs> no, so... Okay. Okay. Now, now I came across this in in group. I've been I was in a group therapy group for a long time um, who that I love and I love everyone in and I love the therapist. I'm not saying anything bad about it, but there was like somebody in the group who was really narcissistic. And why are uh, you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> That's your counter transference, <laughs> okay. buddy. Okay. So anyway, so um, and I felt like this person was really languishing in the group and dominating the group. Mm-hmm. And it was very frustrating for me. And I also I respected the therapist a lot, but I also got frustrated that no one you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. that like like that it was just taking up our time and that that person wasn't getting help and they were fucking getting on my nerves. OK, okay. <laughs> so what, what what would you what, how do you how do you guys respond to that? What do you guys got to say about that? Huh? Are, are you saying that the therapist was derelict in some way? I kind of do. I don't what do you, what know. What do you think the therapist should have done? I don't. If, if you were a therapist. What would you do? <laughs> I would have just been like, listen, kid, 
you are like so up your own, you know, uh, you are so in your, you're not realizing this is your problem. This keeps happening because you think you should get this and life isn't like that. Why don't you wake up? Mm-hmm. But, but I wouldn't say that either. I might if I was on stage, if it was okay, because then it would be okay. It would be very different. But I don't know what I would do. I think and, it's a problem asking you guys. And, you guys and, are trained. And, and, you have the fucking degrees. And, and here, here's my trained degree derived question for you. The next one is, did you say something to him in the group? And oh, if and, so, and had a therapist. I thought it was a guy. <laughs> Assumed it was a man. Um, or her. Um, well, you said narcissist, so I assumed it was a guy. You know what? In the group, I felt like I it's was like the loud mouth a lot, right. and I felt like a lot of pushback, and I wound up getting mad and feeling that I wasn't going to do – I mean, I, w- I didn't know how. I kind of tried to, but I don't – I actually feel like I did try to, but I didn't feel like I got enough support mm-hmm. in the group, and I often felt like – And right. from the leader, too, probably. <laughs> yeah, but I'm also, like, really mm-hmm. obviously outspoken, and I'm not saying that's – you know, like my idea of getting support isn't necessarily reasonable. Was the group therapist a man or a woman? I don't want to even say. And I don't what, want to was, say. Was, I love her. Was the nar- <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Was the narcissist. That was so stupid. Oh, God. Was All right. The, was the narcissist. We can edit this if it's really a problem. I don't care. Okay. Was the narcissistic patient, um, were her initials LL? I don't want to. No, no, that. no. I mean, I have Lisa certain, Levy. No, Levy. Levy. I have my own narcissism. <laughs> Was but, it you? <laughs> no, I have my own. Probably, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's like I, that. It's like that Netflix show. You know what? I know I have a lot of narcissism, like next, but yeah, yeah. I am like. I tried to really stay on top of it so I can see, like, I pay for it. You know, I mean, it hurts me, but I, I pay for it. But I try to, like, I try to mitigate it or apologize for it when I can. I'm aware. I try to take responsibility for my own narcissism. I try to do that, too, for my narcissism as well. <laughs> yeah, it's good. At least makes you tolerable to be around, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to, <laughs> you have to manage it. My motto is make your crazy work for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any crazy, so. No, you don't seem like you do. I bet you do, Thank though. you. You don't Thank seem you. like it. She seems a lot more <laughs> well-adjusted <laughs> than you, Grant. Farrah seems a lot more well-adjusted. Is she, do you think? I'm going to take the fifth. She can speak I'm for herself. I'm going to come to your next show. You can ask her. Really you can next <laughs> why, don't you, show. why don't you ask her directly? Do you think you are? Do you think you are? I don't know. You don't know? I'm still kind of working it out. So therapists, yeah. like you guys can seem really like in control in the therapy office and really together, mm-hmm. but you could be a disaster in your own real life, right? Absolutely. And do you yeah. see a lot of that? Are a lot of shrinks disasters in your... Do you see them as a particularly together group of people? I wouldn't know. I don't know. I just know you guys. I don't know a whole lot personally. Right. I don't, I don't think any worse than other professions and on average, uh, if anything, kind of on the path you know, working on things, which I think is the process right. you want to be in as a therapist. But, you know, I think with every profession, there's some people who are, right. you know, who have kind of a double life, you know. But I think that there's an expectation of more self-awareness. Of right. Kind of what's going on, you know, with us, um, kind of like individually, socially uh-huh. um, and emotionally. As we do our work, um, rather than if I were like a consultant. Right. Well, also therapists, to be a therapist, you'd have to have a certain amount of humility, right? To to like see who, 
I mean, some a bad therapist would have no humility. They would be like t- Tony Robbins, probably. <laughs> Listen, they're, they're, they're definitely they're definitely therapists who get into big trouble because they have a variety of different problems, in, including right. narcissistic problems. Right. And, you know, they sometimes sadly, you know, end up in the news. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true with any profession where you are a caregiver and you have a certain kind of power mm-hmm. and you're licensed by the state, you know, to prescribe and treat people mm-hmm. that that can go to people's heads. And it, it certainly supports supposed to be mm-hmm. something that we're trained to be able to deal with. See, and, you know, if you have a blind spot, though, and you have a problem, a lot of times people just hide it, right? Yeah, you hide but, it. But I think patients have fantasies about their therapist, too. Like, yeah. you know, what are your li- what is your mm-hmm. life really like? How well put together are you emotionally right. and psychologically? Well, they want you to be a ther- an authority figure to some degree. But I was going to say, like, if you look at the two professions, if you call it a profession that I've been active in, which is art direction and advertising and art and maybe performance – um, you know, performing. Um, I would say that you know the level of narcissism is is com- can be completely unchecked in a lot of cases. You don't really get graded on like how, but I do think to be a really good creative person of any sort and to be a good shrink, you do have to be um really on it. The more real you are about who you are and the more mm-hmm. real and directly you can communicate that, you the better you are at your creative pursuit. So I think that's probably true in therapy as well, right? I think so. Yeah. But people like pretty paintings and stuff like that, so it doesn't have to be. Um, but you can damage people if you're too narcissistic as a shrink, right? right? Have you ha- Have you guys seen anybody like fuck it up? Do you ever worry you're going to fuck it up? I have seen people who've been, you know, in treatment for a very long time, and it's hard to know whether it's been helpful mm-hmm. to them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's always the question. Like, really, we're doing this because we want to be helpful. Um, and if there's any chance that it's not, you know, is that it's not going to benefit the person or that it may, in fact, be harmful, then I think there's an obligation to say... This is this is not right. This is not working mm-hmm. um, for you or for me, right? Mm-hmm. Because at, the other thing is, you know, I'm just starting out. I see a lot of patients, but I also have to take care of myself to a degree. Mm-hmm. So that means sometimes and this is not something that comes naturally to me, like setting boundaries about when I can and can't meet um, mm-hmm. or you know, how long it takes me to get back to people. So there are all those factors at play. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's tricky to navigate. I think not only for the therapist, you know, but also for the patient and for the two of us together. So aren't there any standards? See, this is, I think you guys need a book of standards. You should get back in X time. This is, we should all expect the same thing. What, what, What about that? But there are professional ethical standards, and when you talk about fucking things up, people do cross boundaries, and that, that's a that's a particular way of making a mistake or having a narcissistic problem. And there there are general professional standards, and one one of them, and, and this is something a lot of people don't do, and it, it's kind of hard to do in our profession for reasons that we, we probably can't talk about today. Um, but it makes sense to have a clear treatment agreement. That spells out all the parameters of of the care. So even if there's not like everyone has to practice the same way, Mm -hmm. but at at least every therapist 
can provide a treatment agreement that patients mm-hmm. can read that says this is when you'll get charged for a cancellation. This this uh. is this is how long it'll take me to get back to you. Um, this is what I expect you to do if you have an emergency. This is how you should contact mm-hmm. me. So do you d- use that in your practice? I have a treatment agreement, yeah. And do do you guys sign it? Do they sign it or you just show it to them it's or you signed. give it to them? It's 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 reviewed um, in person and and then you go through it to make sure everything is understood. Mm-hmm. It's sim- it's similar to a consent for a surgical procedure, but right. there's obviously some parallels don't fall through. Mm-hmm. And if there's any questions, you talk about it and then you know, it's yeah, then it's signed. Wow, fair. And then, do you do and, then this? and then it's forgotten usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's forgotten. the issue. Is it's forgotten uh, and it also evolves right. over time. So, sometimes it means like coming back to it, you know, let's say things were really crazy for a while and I don't even I wouldn't say that this is a boundary crossing, but I'll I'll be more permissive. Just, you know, I'll say um, if you need to, let's have a phone call or that type right. of thing. But if it gets too much, then it's my responsibility as the therapist to say, I want to be there for you, but I can't talk every single day. And right. maybe what you need, if you, if you need someone to talk to every single day, it might not be me. Right, 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 right. So you have, um, but you have, you have parameters set up. Now, is that, is that, uh, is that, do they teach you that in school? Does everybody, it's great that you guys do that. I don't there's, think anyone's there's, ever. Well, there, there's a lot of different kinds of schooling. And I think another thing about psychiatric training is it's much more structured. So according to the American Psychiatric Association, then, um, According to the American Psychiatric Association, if you have a doctor-patient relationship with someone, then never. Like how long do you have to wait to have a personal relationship with them? The answer is never. You Mm -hmm. can never have a personal relationship. And I think they're referring to romantic or sexual relationships Mm -hmm. with a patient ever if they've ever been your patient. Uh The American Psychological Association, on the other hand, has a two-year statute. So Mm -hmm. if someone leaves your care as a psychologist – in, in principle, after two years, you're allowed to have any kind of relationship with them that you want. So medicine tends to be the most right, the most rigid about it. Right. Does everyone adhere to that strictly? You know, no. And as mm-hmm. far as saying you use clinical judgment in how you manage the relationship. Now, if you're quote unquote permissive and then all of a sudden you tell a patient like, why are you calling me all the time? Mm-hmm. And, and you have fostered that kind of dependency, then that's mm-hmm. a therapeutic mistake mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that you can't use it therapeutically if you bring it up with the patient and kind yeah. of work through it or it might lead to a rupture in care. It mm-hmm. just depends. But I think it's important for the therapist to say, hey, listen, this was my mistake or to give them a little bit of background about sort of what was going uh-huh. on. or So that you made a yeah, mistake. Yeah, but right? like things, things happen. They're not usually huge things. It'll be sometimes like a misunderstanding about a prescription change or sort of a scheduling hiccup. Right, right. Um, and Blame the insurance company nowadays. <laughs> but there are a lot of times where, you know, because everything is sort of like – electronic, it's really easy to put, you know, the, automatic the, refill. The, kinda, the, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I just think that like the best thing for any patient and any therapist is listen, if, if we come to this kind of crossroads or there, you know, we have to be able to talk about it freely right. and openly. So it's set up in the beginning. Right. Yeah. That's excellent. And the, okay. And here's the, another one of my pet peeves, okay. you guys. <laughs> this really makes me mad. So you, I have, just you have officially now <laughs> taken over the podcast. It's the no, I don't remember. Lisa Levy podcast. No. 
No, I don't remember. I forgot about this because I actually haven't been in like real therapy in a while. But so you guys, you guys won't let us leave. Like that makes me really mad when it's time. To end therapy? Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to open up that can of worms, but I I definitely am probably more aligned with with you. I wonder what Farah thinks. Um, I think that we have to be really careful um, because I also do the psychiatry part. Right. So a lot of psychiatrists will only see their patients once a month, but for therapy, it's once a week usually. Right. Um, I don't think that most people and certainly not most of the people that I see need to see me every single week. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a conversation about it. But a lot of times if I say to someone, well, how do you think things are going and do you want to continue meeting weekly? You know, that can also be a rejection. So there are more uh, sort of factors that play. So you guys have like an out because you're prescribing drugs too. So you have 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 to navigate. (laughs) It's it's tough to navigate. But I certainly let people leave and I encourage people to leave. But I also say my door is open, you know, drop in every once in a while. I think think you're alluding to therapists who might use their – power and their position to keep patients in therapy who are repeatedly expressing questions about whether they should continue, right. whether it's the right fit for them, whether the therapist is a good therapist. Or whether um, they need therapy Whether anymore. they need therapy mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And instead of getting like a reasoned conversation where it's seriously considered as an option, there's a response along the lines of, well, you're just not ready to stop therapy. And then maybe the patient is cowed into silence and is thinking something like, is this person keeping me in therapy because they think they're, it's really helpful for me? Or are they just trying to like, you know, continue to make money from me? And then it becomes a very difficult conversation to have. Well, like I think when I'm what I what comes to my mind is like um, a couple of different incidents incidents like where I've different therapists and I want to like quit and then they're like okay well we're gonna have to have like you know a month or two months of termination talks and then that's like you know I'm paying them like X dollars to mm-hmm. like what do you guys think about that is that I think it's generally helpful for people to talk for a certain amount of time about stopping and it it ought to be part of the therapy. And I I would try to tell people at the beginning, you know, when it's time to stop, Mm -hmm. we should we should take some time to stop and not stop abruptly. My experience really is that when people stop abruptly, a certain percentage of the time, it would have been helpful to talk about it. On the other hand, if someone like insists, I'm not going to try to force them to Mm -hmm. come back in anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that's useful personally. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, but you know, the separation can be really difficult. It really depends on what kind of feelings are there, and so I think that just making sure that they're you're able to process them together for a little bit that could mm-hmm. be 20 minutes or that could be five sessions um, mm-hmm. but it should be mutually agreed upon yeah I think if, if you're implying that like the therapist has an emotional need to take time separating then that's a different story than if it would actually be helpful to look back over the last five years well, with, with some space to talk through it well I wonder about that I mean and there's no way of knowing and if the therapist doesn't know you know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's yeah. no regulation here. Yeah, sure. Um, it's it's a problem in a way. 
Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a consumer advocate now, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, but also, well, the other thing is I was going to ask you guys yeah. is being a shrink. I'm taking over this. No, that's okay. We I, have time for probably like a, a couple more questions and then right, we'll, we'll wrap up. No, I'm, no. I'm afraid we have to stop soon. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. That figures you're but you, you, you can come, you can, No, go ahead. You can, <laughs> but you can come back again to talk about your art as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going to talk about my art. I should really push. I should really be pushing the art, don't you think? I'm in an art. I'm in an art fair this week. Yeah, I've got. I'm in two. I'm in. I do want to talk about it. I'm in two different uh, galleries. What? Where? Where? Where are the galleries? Art on paper. I'm in art on paper. Um, I have a piece with Mulhern Gallery, and I also have a piece with VSOP Projects at Art on Paper, and that opens on this Thursday. So yeah, you guys should come. Come by. I might be yeah. out on Thursday so night. I, so I assume I assume people can find out more about you and your art shows coming up on your website, yeah? Uh, yeah, or my uh, Facebook page, really, or my Instagram uh, at Dr. Lisa Levy SP. Okay. That's probably that's probably better. At Dr. Lisa Levy dot SP. No. Oh no. No, no dots. <laughs> At, dots. At, at Dr. Lisa <laughs> Levy SP. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And in, in case people do want to visit your website, it's www.lisalevyindustries.com. That's right. Okay. That's a good place and to go. And her show again on Radio Free Brooklyn is Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. That's right. Every I, Thursday, 2 to 3 I got PM that one right. <laughs> on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Okay. Did I get enough promotion in here, I, do you think? Thank this you is, so, yeah. so much yeah, for being yeah. here. We need this a custom really link. Great. Okay. Right. We'll work on that. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, you know, um, there was one more thing I was going to say. I was going to ask you guys, though, um, if the, if you've ever been like, is there any patient that you either screwed screwed up or didn't help enough? Do you guys have patients that are like ghosts in your mind? Mm. No. Yeah, I mean, as as a, a physician in general, I always I always think about people who I, I wish I could have helped more or where I feel there was a misunderstanding or maybe I made a mistake or, uh -huh. or I felt misunderstood. Uh -huh. uh, I, I wouldn't say that it haunts me, though. Mm -hmm. I think every profession has that. I think about ads that no one understood that were really great and I didn't sell them right and that shit like that. You get that. the wrong Instagram handle. Yeah, things like that. Things like that. <laughs> Well, thanks for having me on. I'm so honored to be to be able to be so candid with actual <laughs> psych doctors, psychiatrists. This well, is great. Well, thank you for joining us and for your candor. It's, uh, it's good to have these challenging conversations. I'll I'll make our usual disclaimer that although we are psychiatrists, Modern Shrinks is not offering psychiatric care. And if you are in need of psychiatric care or have any mental health issues and are concerned, you should seek consultation with a licensed professional. Thank you for listening to Doorknob Comments. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of psychiatry or any type of medicine. It's not a substitute for professional and individualized treatment services and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. If you feel that you may be in crisis, please don't delay in securing mental health treatment. Thanks.